Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today, we've got a very exciting off-season edition where a bunch of new changes have surrounded this team, right? So recently, we just had a new New York Jets rebrand. We've changed our jerseys, our logo, our color scheme. Crazy stuff going on there, first time in 20 years. In terms of free agency, a bunch of players that we had last year are gone, kept a lot more of them. And then signed a bunch of players from other teams, free agent signings. With all that money that we had, we talked about it all last year. We finally started spending it, and now we actually get to see, you know, what did Mike McCagnan and the New York Jets franchise do with all this money? And then we've got to look ahead at the draft that's coming up because we're only a couple weeks away from getting even more young talent to bring onto this team. I'm very excited, and I can't wait to get into it today. So today's episode is going to be broken down as follows. We're going to begin with a jersey review. That greatly anticipated, ultra-hyped new jersey logo color scheme is out. Got to go into that a little bit. Then I want to talk free agency. We're going to start with who did we bring back? What players did we have under contract last year that are either restricted free agents this year or unrestricted free agents that the New York Jets' new coaching staff decided to bring back on for another year or more? We're going to talk about who's out. What are the players that were in that same situation that we decided to move on from and now they're taking their services elsewhere? We're going to do a little pit stop at the cooler for a what's on tap. Then we're going to look into outside help. The free agents that the New York Jets got that weren't on the Jets last year. They were on other teams and we decided to spend big money in a lot of cases to bring these guys in, give us a little extra, you know, fighting power. We're going to take a look at the current roster look. After all that, after we bring our own free agents back, get rid of some players and bring other free agents in. How are we looking right now? I've got a new mystery segment that I'm going to introduce for the first time and hopefully will remain a staple to this program moving forward. Very excited about that. And then we're going to do a draft preview, just kind of touch base on where the Jets draft stock is, who we're looking at, and maybe some later rounds, a couple names to look at. Not going to get too deep into it, but I think at the end of that, we should be in pretty good shape to move forward from this one and feel good about where we're at moving forward for this draft. So I guess that starts us with the Jets new uniform logo and color scheme reveal. The night was April 4th. It was 7.30 p.m. at Gotham Hall, New York, and the New York Jets fans were greatly anticipating the arrival of what is supposed to be the rebrand for the new team. Chris Johnson becomes the new owner of the team after Woody Johnson goes to work on his politic endeavors. Um, He's like a U.K. ambassador, so his brother Chris Johnson comes in. He's only been here for a few years, but obviously it's the perfect time for the New York Jets to do a rebrand. We haven't done one in about 20 years. This isn't something the Jets have never done before. I know that a lot of people are, you know, a little sour at the idea of changing jerseys. We've done it multiple times. This is about our fourth jersey change that we've had. And in the 60-year history, it's been 20 years. 1998 was our last rebrand, so we're kind of on pace with what uh, what the jersey updates usually are. So it's not out of character for the Jets to do this, but it was some sort of shocking new things that maybe we weren't expecting and, and the Jets have never really done before. So we're going to talk about that. They did this big event at Gotham Hall, New York. It was hosted by J.B. Smoove, who's from Curb Enthusiasm. is a very funny comedian. This was a very weird event. For those of you that watched it, streamed it live, it was awkward. It was quiet. There was a performance in the middle of the thing by some unknown person from New York named Max that I don't think anybody knew. Um, there were some appearances. Chris Johnson and President Neil Glatt made a rare showing there, so that was kind of cool to hear them talk. But other than that, J.B. Smoove was kind of annoying on this thing. 
Uh, the crowd wasn't into it. It seemed like it was 80% press in the uh, audience, so nobody was like doing the Jets chant and stuff. It was just, it was kind of awkward. Then they had the Jets players come out and model these uniforms, you know, Sam Darnold, uh, Chris Herndon, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, Jamal Adams, Avery Williamson, and Leonard Williams. And so a lot of these guys, other than Jamal Adams, a lot of them didn't seem like they really wanted to be there or doing that. But they do it. It's a New York thing. It's a big event. I get it. At the end of the day, they decide to reveal the new colors are going to be Spotlight White, which is a way to say white. They're going to be Gotham Green, which is not the Hunter Green they've been for the past 20 years. This is going to be more of a Kelly Green, but in between, I guess the Jets decided to call it their own, you know, their own color thing that they made up, apparently. And then Black. They've introduced Black to the jersey for the first time ever. Stealth Black, they're calling it, and it's on their alternate jersey that they created a, uh, you know, they're going to have a white jersey, a green jersey, and now they're going to have a black jersey with green numbers as well. So that was a jarring, crazy sort of change the Jets haven't ever done before. Trying to modernize a little bit, bring them another jersey, which obviously helps uniform sales, having more stuff to buy. And then a lot of teams around the league have three jerseys. You look at teams like the Broncos, who have a orange, navy, and white. You look at teams like the Dolphins, who have a teal, white, and orange. Just a lot of teams have multiple colors to go from. The Jets did not. Now they do. So they're going to do that. Uh, they updated the logo a little bit. It's basically the exact same, but they put a border around the Jets oval and they uh, they took the background NY that was behind it out. It was kind of a silly change. I don't even know why it was worth changing to begin with, but they did it. And then they changed the helmet. The helmet's going to be a shiny green and it's going to say the word Jets with a football below it. And it's kind of similar to the jerseys that we are, the helmets that we had back, um, you know, before the most recent jerseys that we had, but at the end of the day, I think the jerseys are solid. I personally would have rather they didn't change it because, you know, it's kind of sad knowing that the Jets will never win a Super Bowl in the jerseys that I grew up on. You know, I had my whole room covered in hunter green and white growing up, and now hunter green is not even part of our color scheme. We're Gotham green now. But at the end of the day, it's all good. This was a good time to do it. We've got a very young team, Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, trying to bring hype around the team. Uh, they're super young, competitive, and this is the time for them to kind of make a change and like Jamal Adams and all the players were saying during the event it really will only be cool if they're winning in these jerseys if they just continue losing and they're losing you know 12 games a year wearing them nobody's going to think it's cool so it's up to them to see how are we going to perform in this and what kind of uh, successes are we going to have but at the end of the day we've got five new uniforms all of them are different um, and they're all different than the ones we had last year none of them really even remotely resemble what we had last year except for the colors so I power ranked the five of them in terms of my favorite to least favorite. My favorite is the New York Jets white jersey with green pants. I think it looks sweet. It's my favorite one. Um, I actually really like that jersey a lot, that uniform. And they all, all of these have the green helmet, shiny green helmet that says Jets. My number two, the green jersey with the white pants. I like the contrast. I like the green and white. I'm a traditionalist with the New York Jets. Just green and white is our thing. Split it up. Then for my three, the black alternates are pretty cool. They look tough. They have an edge that they never really have had as the New York Jets. They've always been a green and white team. Now they've got this all black. Black pants, black shirts, green helmets, and green numbers. And it looks kind of sharp. It looks a little bit tougher, a little edgier than we've ever looked before. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting to see. It's definitely a little modern and not anything that we're used to. So there's still that uh, you know, bittersweetness to that. And then the, the single colors, you know, are my least favorite too so for four the all white white jersey white pants it's okay i just think it's better to do the contrast of the white and green 
And then my number five is the all green. We look like green beans. We wore it a couple times last year. It was similar to that, that same sort of color, like the color rush the Jets had. It's kind of goofy looking. Not really a jersey that I take seriously. So maybe it'll be more of a color rush type thing. Hopefully they don't wear it too often. I'd much rather them go with the white pants in that scenario. But uh, yeah, that's what I got for it on the jerseys. It's all good. You know, it is what it is. They're just jerseys. It's going to be a fun year, and Sam Darnold's going to look damn good throwing touchdown passes in anything he's wearing, right? Let's be honest. So that's what we've got for the new jerseys. It was overhyped, I think, and the jerseys ended up leaking online by Connor Hughes like two days beforehand, so most people had already seen them. I actually refrained. I'd seen thumbnails, but I tried as hard as I could not to look into them, save it for the event. The event was so much less exciting and cool than it could have been. So, uh, so that's that. So come week one. We're going to see which jerseys we're going with, but they are going to be a little bit different than we're used to seeing. All right, so now we can get into free agency, something I've been so excited for since the season ended. It's been like since January that we've been waiting for good, relevant New York Jets information to surface, and it's happening. The New York Jets were active, and we had a lot of guys that were not going to be under contract. The Jets had the league-high players not under contract from last year, so we had a lot of decisions to make. And I, I'm going to break down our re-signings for the New York Jets into three categories. We're going to have key re-signs, solid extensions, and fringe players. So that's going to be, you know, the top tier of the guys we brought back, guys that are going to be good fits, and then players who are going to be, you know, fighting for roster spots. Starting with key players. Henry Anderson, defensive end, had a great year with the New York Jets last year. We traded a late-round pick for him with the Colts. He'd had injuries his whole career. We bring him in here, let him play his natural position at his natural weight, and uh, he had a great season. He had a career-high seven sacks. He had blocked kicks. He was tenacious getting back there. More importantly, he was a great locker room guy, and he's going to be a day-one starter. He's a guy that we bring in right away. He's going to be starting opposite Leonard Williams on that defensive line, barring any draft signings or anything that we, you know, players that we don't currently have under contract. So Henry Anderson, his contract, three years, $25.2 million. It's steep, but for a guy that was that successful for the New York Jets last year and, and such a good player to have on the team, all the money that they had I don't think they overpaid I think that he's a guy that a lot of players were just waiting for all free agency you know bring him back why aren't we getting Henry Anderson we have a huge hole there we can't start Nathan Shepard we know that so bringing Henry Anderson on a three-year deal he's only 27 years old right now um so I think that was a, a good key addition or a good key resign for the New York Jets moving on I am going to say uh the age of all the players this is the age that they currently are today they will be different ages as time goes on, obviously. Sometimes it'll be training camp that they age. Could be regular season, could be postseason, but this is the age that they are right now. The number two key addition or key resign the New York Jets got, Daryl Roberts. He's into three-year, $18 million, but only 2019 is guaranteed, only this year. He's 28 years old. It's a low-risk signing because if he plays well, you have him for next year and the year after that. If he doesn't, you can cut him. But the guy had a career-high snaps last year, 745 he started 10 games uh, early in the year when cornerbacks were injured he played strong cornerback he played very well and then uh, eventually we had you know injuries to Marcus May and, and other safeties and we had to move him to safety he played very bad back there he was a weak tackler he didn't cover properly he never should have been put in that position and I think it made Daryl Roberts look a lot worse than he actually is so unfortunately uh, a little bit of bad luck for him but in terms of playing a number two corner that's kind of where he's slated right now we don't have other cornerbacks in the roster. It's definitely one of our weakest points in the entire team. And, yeah, would I like to see him as more of that cornerback three? Absolutely. Like he was last year. You know, you had Trumaine Johnson, Mo Claiborne, and then Darrell Roberts. But right now he's your number two, and if you didn't have him, you know, you'd be starting like Rashard Robinson, 
or Derek Jones at cornerback, which obviously couldn't happen. So very key resign for for uh, the New York Jets and getting Daryl Roberts back. Team friendly deal, and we'll see if uh, we can bring another guy in before the season starts to you know compete and and add a little depth to that position. Then our last key resigning, Brandon Copeland. He's 27 years old, super smart guy. He teaches classes at a college university. Um, everybody likes him. He only signed a one-year deal, $1.75 million, so super team super team friendly. He's not expensive at all, but he had a good year for us last year. When Josh Martin got injured, he came in. He started 10 games. Guy had five sacks. He was a good guy. Had He had a couple strong performances last year, like games that he really made an impact, and you could see him out there. And uh, he could be a starter day one as well. We don't know what we're going to do with outside linebacker. We've got Jordan Jenkins on one side, and it's probably going to be Brandon Copeland on the other side as we stand right now. That's before the draft, before any training camp battles. And, you know, free agency, we'll just note here, is an ongoing thing. Free agency doesn't ever end until really the season ends for the team. If the team stops playing, they don't need to make nearly as many additions. They can still sign future deals and waivers and stuff, but it doesn't ever end. You can always add new players. You can add a player during preseason if a guy gets injured. You can add a guy during week two if he's available and a guy gets injured. Um, so we'll see. Is the, the rosters are very fluid, but that's just where we're at right now. Now we're going to talk about the solid extensions. Solid extensions, we're going to start with Jonathan Harrison. He signed a two-year, $5 million deal at age 27. Only 2019 is guaranteed. So we can play him for one year. If he does well, we've got him next year. If not, he's gone. These are good, smart contracts by Mike McCagnon for players that are volatile, could easily have a good year, or could dip back and be like, all right, we got to get rid of this guy and save that money. So Jonathan Harrison, he has started 23 games for the Colts. He started nine games for the Jets. He's the best center on the roster right now, so that's why it's a, a, a solid extension because if we didn't have him, we don't really have a center at all moving forward. So we have a guy. He's not the guy that we want to start, but he's a guy that started before and can do a below-average job at it. At least we know he can handle the position. The other solid extension, Steve McClendon. A one-year, $2.75 million deal. It's just one year. Makes sense because the guy's 33 years old right now. But he's a solid player. He's been a pretty good anchor for the New York Jets for a while now. Um, he's played his career-high percentage of snaps with the New York Jets. Last year, he was only at 42%. I think this year, that snap percentage is going to go down a little bit. You'd like to see Steve McClendon at his age in a rotation with another defensive tackle. Currently, the only guy that I really see fighting for that job on this roster right now, Falleron Zofadakasi, a late-round pick from UConn last year. He hasn't proven much, so... We're going to see exactly how Steve McClendon's played in there, but he's not a guy that you want to be playing more than 50% of snaps. And they're going to be able to move guys like maybe Nathan Shepard, Henry Anderson, Leonard Williams, and whatnot, but they're going to try to bring another guy in there. Steve McClendon, you know, he's a veteran player, and we don't have many veteran players on this roster. Most of our guys are under the age 30. I mean, we got rid of Josh McCown. We got rid of Andre Roberts, some of the older players that we had. And Steve McClendon, he's probably the oldest guy that we have out there. So... He's a veteran, great locker room guy, a situational anchor, and uh, I think it was a solid extension because he will play serviceable minutes for the New York Jets, and he probably won't do a terrible job. Next guy, going back a step or two, Frankie Lubu. Super cheap, one year, $570,000. Right? He's definitely not guaranteed to make this roster. He could be in that fringe player category, but in my opinion, I think he's an up-and-coming player that I see a lot of potential in, and I think that if he has a decent training camp in preseason, he's got to be on this roster. He's only 22 years old, he had three sacks last year, five tackles for loss, 11 quarterback hits. He was way more productive than anything Nathan Shepard did on this team. We drafted him third round, and he's probably going to be on the roster. So Frankie Louvu easily could be there. 
Um, he's got a lot of upside. Last guy from this category, Neville Hewitt. One year, $1.5 million. He's 26 years old. He had a bit of a quiet year last year. He didn't play much until Darren Lee's uh, suspension, but he had 1.5 sacks, four quarterback hits. He played minimally. He's a very good special teamer. He's a solid backup. He's all right in coverage, pretty good at tackling. I think that he showed good signs last year, and he's definitely worth having as a bench, uh, you know, middle linebacker and special teamer. So solid guy who will probably play minutes for the New York Jets. I expect him to make the roster. Then you got your fringe players. Those are guys like Deontay Burnett, Brent Quayle, Neil Sterling, Eric Tomlinson, Davis Webb, and D'Angelo Henderson. All of those players have been given small contracts by the New York Jets and will have an opportunity to earn the final roster through training camp, through preseason. It's going to be an uphill battle for a lot of them. I think guys like Quayle, Sterling, Tomlinson could make the team. I'm rooting for Burnett. If we don't bring in more wide receiver help, I'd like to see him make the roster. He had a pretty uh, impactful season last year towards the end. D'Angelo Henderson, Davis Webb, those guys may be dead men walking, but we'll see if they can have some stellar performances or guys get injured. You know, they're right there. That's what we got for the big re-signings, extensions from the New York Jets, guys we had last year that we brought back. So now the question is, who are those players that we didn't bring back? Who are unrestricted free agents? Our restricted free agents that we just said, no thanks, you guys can go elsewhere. We're going to start with Spencer Long. A very poor center season for Spencer Long. Ended up playing a little bit better at guard later on, but we had a deal that was very team-friendly from Mike McCagden that was you know, his first year guaranteed, and after that it wasn't. We were able to get rid of him, and it was a good thing. He went to the Buffalo Bills. Three years, $13 million. So the Bills taken a New York Jet. They took another New York Jet, somebody that people are a lot less happy to see over there, and that's Andre Roberts. And Andre Roberts had a very, very great season for the Jets. One of their best kick return seasons and punt return seasons ever. He made a Pro Bowl. He was electrifying. He was great to watch. The guy's over 30 years old, and it was his best season probably ever as a returner. More of an outlier season, and I think that the Jets didn't want to overpay, and there's a lot of uh, wide receivers that are fighting for roster spots in this team. And at the end of the day, you know, yeah, they're going to have to find a kick returner or a punt returner, but sometimes you got to let good players go to make room for new guys. And he's a player that shouldn't be ascending at this point. Um, you'd think He obviously ascended last year for his best season, but you're not going to expect him to do that for too much longer. And while I would have loved to have him back if he would sign a nice cheap contract for the Jets and we had all the roster spaces in the world, but I get it. I don't think this went over very well with the fans. I think that after the season that he had, a lot of fans fell in love with this guy and wanted to watch him do it again. But, you know, these things happen. And you'd rather be getting rid of good players than not have any good players to get rid of, I guess. So there's the light at the end of the tunnel. We are going to have to find a kick returner and punt returner, though. So there does open up a hole. Two guys going to the Bills, Spencer Long and Andre Roberts. Another divisional foe took two more of our players, and that's the Patriots. They took Terrence Brooks backup safety, and Mike Pinnell, who was a rotational defensive tackle with Steve McClendon last year. Patriots bringing in some of our stuff. We'll see what Bill Belichick saw in them. Um, they could be situational players. Maybe he's just trying to get information on the Jets' defense. Shouldn't be that relevant now that we have a new defensive coach, but uh, you never trust the Patriots or anything they do with really anybody. Sad to see those players' uh, lives be ruined by such a horrible franchise. Then we got a couple other players going elsewhere. We had Jason Myers, a Pro Bowl kicker, go to the Seahawks. He got a very big contract. Same situation with Andre Roberts. I think that uh, sometimes you got to let good players go. You can't overpay just because they had one great season if it's not the norm for them. Jason Myers had his best season ever. He's never been a Pro Bowler. 
Um, he's a guy that I didn't even really like going into the regular season, and then he proved me wrong throughout the year, ended a little bit slower than he'd been regular year, but Seahawks wanted to pay him big, so he's gone now. Isaiah Crowell, we obviously uh, added a new other free agent, so we didn't need to have him. He was expendable. He became an unrestricted free agent and went to the Raiders. James Carpenter, our starting left guard for the last few years, went to the Falcons. Buster Screen, a very controversial New York Jet. Some people hated him. Some people loved him. I was always a Buster Screen fan. I knew that he had flaws. I knew that he would get penalties and that he had issues, but I liked the way he played. I liked his toughness, and uh, ultimately, he's no longer playing nickelback for the New York Jets. He's now on the Chicago Bears. And the last guy, Dakota Dozier. He's been a, uh, a backup offensive lineman for the Jets for a little while now. He goes to the Minnesota Vikings. So those are the players that we lost. Crazy, I know. All that happened in the last couple weeks, and there's still so much more that we did and so much more to do. It's hard to keep up with all this stuff, but that's why we do these episodes, right? Before we move on to the next section, I'm going to take a little pit stop at the cooler for a what's on tap. That's right, folks, it's what's on tap. My favorite section of the whole show because I get to talk about the beer that I'm currently drinking and... If there's anything that goes well with New York Jets, it is alcohol. So today I'm drinking a Dubious by Bad Sons Hazy IPA. It's a one-pint tall 16-ouncer. This is a 7% alcohol by volume IPA made in Connecticut. It is, I'll read the back. It says, our highly evolved IPA is completely danked out with notes of citrus, pine, cherry, and sweet orange goodness. Dry hop to the max with copious amounts of citra, mosaic, Idaho 7 hops. Dubious IPA is truly a haze of sticky, resinous glory. Uh, resinous. Resinous, not resinous. This is a tasty beer. I like it. Bad Sun is a, uh, a nice brewery in Connecticut that a lot of people enjoy. They have some nice IPAs, and this is one of their classics that is uh, pretty easy to find around Connecticut. White can with a rainbow skull hop symbol on the front, but it's a uh, it is hazy. It's a nice, hazy, juicy IPA. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know this is my style of beer. It is uh, smooth. Let me get another sip here. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's smooth. It's smooth. It's flavorful. And it is hazy. This thing is just a solid buy. If you can find it, uh, it's probably not worth those $16 you see at some of these package stores these days for the really expensive stuff. But if you're looking for a nice $11.99 four-pack, of nice tall boys. I think you should give it a try. You know, if you like those 7% sort of lighter, fruitier, juicy, hazy IPAs, this might be your guy. All right, so that is What's on Tap. Okay, so similar to the way that I did the key re-signings, I'm going to do the outside help and break it down into three categories, which is going to be key pickups. This is free agents from other teams. The New York Jets added, not on the roster last year, now on the roster. We're going to do solid additions, and then a few fringe players, guys that we picked up here and there. They're going to be fighting for roster spots with everybody else. So where else can you start with this other than Le'Veon Bell? This was the big, pivotal, crazy hype signing that every single New York Jets fan that I was seeing across the board basically wanted. There were those people that said he was injured, had some, uh, you know, 
issues off the field and things like that maybe they didn't want to get into. But at the end of the day, if you've watched Le'Veon Bell play in 2015, 16, 17, there's absolutely no denying this guy is an absolute baller at running back. He is one of the very few do-it-all running backs in the entire NFL. When I say do-it-all, I mean a guy that can catch the ball extremely well, can block as good as anybody at running back. He can line up his wide receiver if he needs to because his hands are that good and the guy can block and, and play well out there. But then he's a guy that can go between the tackles because he's got a soft hesitation move with very, very extreme acceleration where he can basically come to a complete stop, wait for a hole to open, reevaluate, hit that hole with acceleration. He's got some power going up the middle, one of the better goal line backs actually in terms of efficiency inside the five-yard line. And then he can go outside because the guy's got speed and he's got ridiculous moves. I mean, in reality, if he plays as well as he did in 2017, he is going to be an absolute steal of a player. Now, he signed a pretty hefty four-year, $52 million contract, but we have a potential out in 2021, right? So he's basically only got two years fully guaranteed. Now, this is going to line up well with Sam Darnold's contract, and we have to give him an extension. It's going to be possible to part ways with a guy like Le'Veon Bell. So he's got two years to prove it if he's going to be on the roster after that, basically making around that $13 million or so a year. But if he plays well, I mean, this is a guy that can absolutely change the offensive makeup of the entire team. Adam Gase likes, you know, universal do-it-all sort of players, and Le'Veon Bell is exactly that. I think that, uh, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to can he be healthy? Can he stay on the field? And if he can, it's going to be, it's going to be something to watch because he's proven it. 4.3 yards per attempt for his career. You know, in 2016, he had 75 receptions. In 2017, he had 85 receptions. I mean, we all know he didn't play last year. He decided to hold out. He didn't want to be franchise tagged by the Steelers time and time again and just have them run him down the pipe, just give him carries after carries, basically take all the tread off of his tires, use him up, abuse him, and then get rid of him, keep giving him those one-year deals. He didn't want to do that. So a lot of people are talking, you know, he lost money in the end of this whole thing by saying no to them. Sure, maybe. But you know what? He's saying all the right things right now. He says he loves the Jets. His, one of his idols was Curtis Martin. He's wanted to be a Jet. He can't wait to be here, and it's great having him. I think that the team is excited to have him. I think that, uh, you know, when you're looking day one, week one, he's lining up in your backfield. Every single team has already taken note and a little bit more nervous of that New York Jets office. Probably a lot more nervous. This guy's changing things. So pass game, run game, blocking. I can't wait to watch him play. He is an electrifying guy, and I just hope that he's what he was in 2017. You know, theoretically, he hasn't played. He couldn't be healthier than he is right now. He has no lagging injuries. He's got no, you know, little stingers and stuff that he's trying to work through. Guy hasn't played. He's been relaxing. He's got to get that weight off, get back in football shape, get out there, and dominate for the New York Jets. So that was our big, big signing that everyone was talking about. Equally big and more expensive, C.J. Mosley. This is a guy that signed a five-year, $85 million contract. That's $43 million guaranteed. He's only 26 years old, so that's great. Five years, you know, you're getting him to a little bit over 30. The Jets basically have three of those years with a heavy cap hit. They're basically going to have to hold him for the next three years no matter what. But those last two, they don't. They can part ways. Um, I don't think they're going to have to. This guy was an absolute monster for the Baltimore Ravens defense. He's a middle linebacker that can do a little bit of everything. I'm going to prove it. The guy's played 98% of snaps for that defense three out of his five years on the team. 98%. That means they're not taking him out 
situationally, long third downs, um, you know, goal line stands, first and 20, whatever you can think of, any situation, he's on the field. He's healthy all the time, and the guy can freaking play. He is one of the best sure tacklers in the entire NFL at middle linebacker. He gets there, he wraps the guy up, and nobody gets through him. He can also cover pretty well because as big as he is, he's actually sneaky fast, and he can get after the quarterback. He is a top three player on this entire roster right now, and he's one of the best middle linebackers in the entire league. Now, a lot of people are like, that's a ton of money to pay a guy, and we already had Darren Lee and Avery Williamson. I'll tell you one thing right now. Get over Darren Lee. The guy's no good. He's probably not going to be on this roster for much longer. I don't know how so many people have been convinced that he's anything better than bad, but uh, he's not going to last long here. And C.J. Mosley is a very, very good, he's a quiet leader, but he's proven in his five years in the league that he is, he, he's the apex of middle linebackers. You know, it's Luke Keekley, it's him. There's very few guys that can, that can lock up the middle of a defense like him. And yeah, it's a lot of money, but you are going to notice his difference right away. As good as Avery Williamson was last year, C.J. Mosley's better. I mean, he's going to be probably better than Jamal Adams, very likely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a sight to see. Now, we're paying him. We are paying him. But uh, sometimes you got to bring in great talent. And if there was one thing we were looking at on this New York Jets roster last year, it was we need, we need more good players. You know, we've got some nice young players that are ascending. We're developing some guys. We've got some cheap guys and some steals there. And, but we need more elite playmaking talent. We need, you know, dominant players on this team. Some more stars. And the Jets added them. Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, boom, boom. Big offense, defense, huge changes. Then the next one that I think uh, I was extremely excited about was was a trade, actually. The New York Jets traded their fifth-round pick this year to the Oakland Raiders in exchange for offensive guard Kalechi Osemele and the Raiders' sixth-round pick, one of the Raiders' sixth-round picks. So essentially, we move back around from the fifth round to the sixth round in the draft, and we bring in Kalechi Osemele. Kalechi Osemele is a player that has played extremely well at offensive guard. He's only 29 years old. He's under contract for two more years, basically $21 million with no uh, no dead money right now. All right, so what does that mean? That means he's not due any more guaranteed money. The New York Jets can technically cut him right now and not pay him anything. Otherwise, he'll make that you know $10.5 million per year for the next two years. Now, I don't think the Jets are going to have to cut him because he has been an extremely, extremely strong, above, way above average offensive guard. Now, last year was a little bit slow for him. He only played 10 games, 11 games rather. He was injured. But before that, he was a pro bowler in 2017. 2016, not only was he a pro bowler, but he was an all pro first team. So this guy has done it recently at an extremely high level. Now, why'd the Raiders get rid of him then? They hardly got anything in return. At the end of the day, the Raiders were short on cash, right? They wanted to sign Trent Brown to a ridiculously unworth, terrible, terrible deal from the New England Patriots. They signed that offensive tackle. They signed Antonio Brown. Everyone heard those rumblings. The uh, Oakland Raiders were short on cash, and they had issues playing for these players. Now, they needed to make cap space as well to pay for them. So what did they have to do? They had to start looking at players that they could cut. Who could they get rid of and save some money? Kalechi Osemele is one of them. They could have cut him and saved $10.5 million instantly because they had no guaranteed money left in this contract. But why do that if you can get something in return? Instead of cutting him, why not see what you can get for a trade? The Jets needed an offensive guard. They noticed that, and we traded back basically one pick. So they make out because they get something for a player they were probably going to cut, not because he was bad, but because they needed to save money. And we took advantage of that, basically just traded back one pick, and uh, 
And we got this guy. One round, not one pick. We got this guy, and he's instantly a great improvement over James Carpenter at left guard. I think if he can be back at what he was, he's going to be absolutely awesome. We're going to enjoy this guy. He's a fun player. He's fun to watch. He's a big, bruising left guard, kind of like James Carpenter was back when he was a little bit younger when we got him, and he was you know, a powerful, good player. He started to lose a step after a while. Cleccio Semele, hopefully he can get that step right back. Jets have a great training staff. They can keep guys healthy. Cleccio came to the came to the right team. Happy to have him, and we'll see what we can do with that offensive line. Who is next on our key pickups? Anthony Barr? Almost. Did not get Anthony Barr. He backed out. So in the interest of keeping with players that have not hurt our feelings, Jamison Crowder. Slot receiver from the Washington Redskins, only 25 years old, signs a three-year, $28.5 million deal. Now, that's a pretty hefty deal. The Jets have a potential out in 2021, so he'd have two years under that contract, and then we could basically get out of it. Again, lining up with the Sam Darnold extension that we may have to give. We'll see how Jamison Crowder does, if he earns that deal or not. But this guy has been a very good, very strong slot receiver for the Washington Redskins. Now, he was ascending. He had injuries last year. He only played in seven games, only started seven games, and uh, and it was definitely a down year for him, but he's proven that he can be a slot receiver that can be very successful in this league, and Sam Darnold needs that. He needs a guy in the middle. Jermaine Curse is gone. We need somebody who can be a quick, shifty guy in there, be more of a security blanket, have good hands, and Jameson Crowder brings that to the team. In 2016, he had 67 catches, 847 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's a very, very good year. That's a better year than basically any Jets receiver has had. So this guy, if he can stay healthy, only 25 years old. You know, he was doing that in 2016 at age, what, 22, 23? He's got all the potential in the world at playing that slot position. He could be one of the better slot receivers in the NFL, and Sam Darnold may end up loving this guy, having him there. We just got to keep him healthy. What else does he bring to the table? Punt returns. He's been a, uh, a pretty good punt returner throughout his career. He's honestly... At times, he's not great. He kind of reminds me of Jeremy Curley as a punt returner, but a little bit faster. So, uh, you know, we'll see if he can do that. We lost Andre Roberts. He's probably the best punt returner on the roster. He doesn't have much uh, kick return experience, so he still may need to find a guy to play that. But uh, he's quick, he's fast, he's tough, and he's a, uh, a nice playmaking addition to bring to this New York Jets. When you're looking at it, you know, you're bringing in a slot receiver, a star running back, a really good offensive guard. And this offense should be taking steps in the right direction. We drafted Chris Herndon last year. We bring back, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua. And, you know, the sky's the limit because Sam Darnold is just going to keep getting better and better. And we're surrounding him with better pieces. So now some of those solid signings. Let's get into those real quick. First one, Brian Poole. A one-year, $3.5 million deal. He's only 26 years old. Played for the Falcons last year when they had a bunch of injuries for their secondary. Played 76% of snaps, basically a nickel corner. He's going to fight to replace Buster Screen right away. He's going to battle with Perry Nickerson, but uh, he's not great in coverage. He's much better at tackling and playing towards the line of scrimmage as a nickel cornerback. So you got Perry Nickerson and him, kind of two different styles. Perry Nickerson's not as good at tackling, more of a cover guy. We'll see how he can do in his second year. Brian Poole, he's a guy. He had three sacks last year, three picks. Um, he's a very strong tackler. Big blitzer. I think Greg Williams is going to like him in. And I think that, uh, you know, he'll be situationally available. It's another weapon for Greg Williams to use to get after the quarterback. You know, you may bring in a dime package and run Perry Nickerson out there 
along with him, and maybe one of them blitzes, one of them doesn't. You don't know exactly what they're going to do. Brian Poole is going to bring that ability. He kind of plays like a safety towards the line of scrimmage, similar to like a Tyron Matthew playing nickel. And, uh, and we'll see. It's just if he gets picked on in coverage too much, you may have to try to move away from him a little earlier than you'd like. But rushing downs, he may be a guy that can get in there. Then we bring in Tom Compton, a offensive lineman from the Minnesota Vikings. He signed a one-year, $1.6 million contract. This is his fifth NFL team. He's 29 years old right now, and uh, he can start at tackle or guard. This guy started 29 games and most recently played for the Minnesota Vikings. He started 14 games for them last year. Now, he's not that good a player. He's not, he's not going to be a starting guard or tackle for the New York Jets. But the guy has experience in the league. He's played tackle and guard, like we said. We lost Dakota Dozier to the Vikings, and we take Tom Compton from the Vikings. Now, Tom Compton is a little bit better than Dakota Dozier. He's getting paid a little bit more, but he's going to provide that sort of veteran backup, and if anything happens with Brian Winters, who was battling injuries last year, you got Brandon Shell, who could be battling injuries from the end of last year, and then you got Kelechi Osemele, who had some injuries last year, Kelvin Beecham, who's had injuries in his career. You're going to need some guys in the bench that can play those positions. Tom Compton kind of comes in as a jack-of-all-trades offensive lineman, and uh, unfortunately, he just doesn't play center. Wouldn't that be great to just replace uh, our starting center? But no, he's not going to be uh, He's not going to be a guy that you're going to you know, brag about. You certainly weren't going to brag about Dozier, though. And he probably will see playing time this year at one of those positions. And, you know, hopefully he can just hold it down for long enough until the guys come back. Then Chandler Catanzaro, 28 years old. He was on the New York Jets a little while back. We replaced Jason Myers, so we had to get somebody else. Chandler Catanzaro is the guy. He was 16 of 20 last year from field goal with 29, uh, I'm sorry, with a 59 as his season long last year. It's a long kick, so you're thinking, all right, that's a pretty good season. You know what his problem was? He was 87% last year from extra points. So that's going to be an issue. He's got to make his extra points if he's going to be kicking for the New York Jets. I'll tell you that right now. He was cut last year, ended up on another team, and uh, ultimately this year as an unrestricted free agent. Jets bring him back. You know, I don't think he's a terrible kicker. I think that he could do the job well enough. I just hope that he can get those extra points in line. He does only have one career blocked kick against him, so... That's good. At least he doesn't kick the ball too low. All right. So, some of the fringe players the Jets brought in. Trevor Simeon. One year, $2 million. He's a 27-year-old quarterback. You know him from the Denver Broncos. In his career, he's got 30 touchdowns and 24 picks. The guy had an 84 quarterback rating in 2016, and, uh, you know, he's got four years' experience to kind of help Darnold through the learning curves and everything. But this guy, he's cheap. It's one year and $2 million, and there's no question he's an improvement over Davis Webb right now. So he's probably going to be your week one backup quarterback. You don't want him to start, of course. Darnold's supposed to start every game in a perfect world. So Trevor Simeon's just going to be there just in case. Instead of having Davis Webb there just in case, that's a bad just in case. So solid sign in there. $2 million, you can't complain. You know, Josh McCown is making 10 for the Jets. So saving money at the quarterback position there. Tight end, Daniel Brown, came from the uh, Chicago Bears. He's not had a very strong career. He's only 26 years old. Only signed a one-year $900,000 deal with the New York Jets, but you know he played 2% of snaps last year. He had zero targets in the passing game. In his career, he's got 317 yards and one touchdown. Played four years. I don't think he's going to make the roster, but he's on there as a tight end in case something happens and maybe he shows you something. We'll see. And Quadri Henderson... 
took him off Giants waivers. The guy's only 22 years old, and uh, the reason they got him was he's been a kick returner five times he's done it, punt returner nine times, super young. Um, he has no offensive production at wide receiver, which is his position technically, but uh, if the New York Jets bring him in, if he makes the roster, it's going to be at kick returner or punt returner, and uh, and that's the scoop with that. He probably won't be there, but we'll see. And uh, oh, one more guy that I actually left out in the solid signing category just a few minutes ago is going to be Joshua Bellamy, who's a wide receiver from the Chicago Bears, who's on a two-year, $5 million deal with the New York Jets. He's 29 years old, but uh, he's a very, very good special teamer. So he's only got 900 career receiving yards and five touchdowns, which is like, all right, that's nothing good at all. But he's a strong special teamer. He's going to be great for Brant Boris, one of those guys. And honestly, I think he can replace Sharon Peak and be an improvement both in special teams and the receiving game right away. So when you're looking at guys like that, you know, those are players in the team. Keep in mind, Sharon Peak essentially made the roster last year as a special teamer, being a gunner, being in there on kickoffs and things. And are you really going to keep this guy if he doesn't, you know, is he a great special teamer? No, he's pretty good. And is he a great wide receiver? Absolutely not. So why not bring in a great special teamer and an okay wide receiver? That's what Joshua Bellamy's going to be. Two years, $5 million. It's a little pricey for a special teamer, but you know Brent Boyer just lost Jason Myers. He just lost Andre Roberts. you got to give him a guy, make him happy, bring somebody in for him to work with. Bellamy's going to be his guy. There is still a chance he doesn't make the roster, but two years, $5 million, I think he's probably going to be there. Okay, so let's do a quick roster look. Offensive line, you're looking at Kelvin Beecham, Osemele, Jonathan Harrison, Brian Winters, and Brandon Shell, with your backups being Brent Qualley and Tom Compton. Wide receiver, you're looking at Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, and Jamison Crowder, with your backups being, right now you'd say like Joshua Bellamy and maybe Deontay Burnett. Tight end, Chris Herndon, backup being Leggett, you know, and then maybe a guy like Neil Sterling or Eric Tomlinson. We'll see. Running back, Le'Veon Bell. Eli McGuire and Trenton Cannon backing up. D'Angelo Henderson's there just in case. Quarterback, Sam Darnold, of course. Trevor Simeon backing up. Maybe Davis Webb. Moving over to the defensive side. Starting with the defensive line, you're looking at your starting defensive line being Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, and Leonard Williams. Your backup's at defensive end, probably uh, Nathan Shepard right now. Defensive tackle, Falaronzo Fadakasi. Cornerbacks, you're looking at Trumaine Johnson and then Andre Roberts, along with Brian Poole at nickel. Your backup cornerback at nickel being Nickerson, and on the outside being Richard Robinson, Jeremy Clark, and Derek Jones. Outside linebackers, Brandon Copeland and Jordan Jenkins, Frankie Louvu backing up. Inside linebackers, C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson, with Darren Lee, Neville Hewitt, and Anthony Wint backing up. Defense, uh, safety, you've got Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Backup safeties being Doug Middleton and Rontez Miles with Brandon Bryant mixed in there as well, fighting for a roster spot. And then special teams, kicker Chandler Catanzaro, punter Locke Edwards. You've got long snapper Thomas Hennessy. Your other special guys are going to be like Joshua Bellamy, Neville Hewitt, and Anthony Wint who are good special teamers. Kick returner right now, I don't know, is it going to be Quadri Henderson or Jamison Crowder? Are you going to put one of those running backs and Eli McGuire or, or Trenton Cannon back there? Or is somebody else going to answer the call? 
Then punt returner, you got to think Jameson Crowder is the most uh, experienced punt returner on the roster. You don't want to fumble the ball in the kick game at all, so uh, he's probably the guy there. So that's what we have for our roster. As you look through that thing, you're definitely seeing some holes, but that's kind of how we're shaping up right now following our free agency. We still have a draft to go, and we'll get into some of that right now. All right, so before we begin with the draft preview, I have extremely exciting news that I will be bringing a brand new segment to the This is the Jet Life podcast. I have finally gotten my dad, David Burnham, biggest Jets fan I know, involved in some capacity with this podcast in a section that I'm going to call Father Time. Now, in Father Time, I get an excerpt from my dad on something that he sees within the New York Jets organization, something that he likes, doesn't like, a random thought, a rant, something that he wants to address and bring on to here. Me and him have so many conversations throughout the week that uh, all about the New York Jets, of course, that uh, I was like, dude, you gotta, I got to get some of these ideas on the podcast, right? It can't be all my stuff. you got too many good things. And he was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. I wanted them to be a guest down here, this and that. But what he wants to do, what he's, he does, I don't think he wants to do it, but what he's agreed to do is at least from time to time, hopefully every week, give me some sort of rundown of something that he's got going on. So today I said, you know, in the spirit of the draft coming up, give me something. He watches a lot of the combine. He looks into the players a lot. Give me some information on some guys that you're looking at for this draft. So before I begin with the draft preview, let's do father time. Talk about what my dad sees in the NFL draft. Here it goes. Verbatim. So it's clear that the front seven will be addressed with Allen, Williams, or Bosa if there's no trade down. So what do the Jets do with their round three picks? Need says center and or cornerback. Best player available with team need. Center. Protecting Sam is very important in terms of his progress, confidence, and longevity. There are two top centers that could start week one other than Garrett Bradbury. My favorite is McCoy, Texas A&M. A strong and fast, very smart player with leadership qualities, with a great story that makes you want to root for him. Second center that should be available is Elton Jenkins, Mississippi State. Smart and well-trained, can move well and get to the second level. Will only get smarter and just needs to get nastier, but Greg Williams will get that out of him. Rams would be in play for either of these two. Other possible needs at three? Positional value and positional need is still at cornerback. This can be either cornerback two or three. Nickerson and Poole will man the slot, but there needs to be three on the outside. Some, like you, talking about me, like Julian Love, Notre Dame. He's a good tactician and has a good corner, but will never keep up with the burners in the NFL. He will need top safety support often. Probably not what Greg Williams is looking for, but he would be an excellent pick early in round three. My pick at corner is Tavon Mullen, Clemson, six foot two, ran a 4.46, 34.5 vert. Can press or run like a deer, great length, and good makeup speed. First cousin to Lamar Jackson, so good genetics. Able to play in big games. Took the defensive MVP in the national championship game. Should be available in the early third round and would be a solid pick that few are talking about. Wow. Great stuff, Dad. Then I got another little nugget sent in an email right after that that says, last one for you at cornerback. Amani Aruari. I stayed away because I don't know how to say his name. Penn State, six foot one, 205 pounder, 4.4740, 36.5 vert. He was a redshirt senior, so he's a little old. Good cover, not a great tackler. Doesn't take the cheese, handles double moves. Coaching can help fix tackling. Not sure of uh, Williams' co- coaching scheme in terms of zone and man, but Amani is thought to be more of his own type guy. He's good and pressed due to his arm length and strength. 17 reps at the combine. 
More good nuggets from Dave Burnham. So basically what he's talking about here is the draft needs. Center, huge need to replace Jonathan Harrison. Cornerback, big need to bring another guy in next to Trumaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. Guys that he's talking about, Tavon Mullen, Amani Aruari. These are guys the Jets could definitely be looking at. And for those third-round picks, these are the big ones, right? Everyone's talking about that that first pick because it's top three. But in reality, this is kind of a, a weird draft to scout for the New York Jets. You're looking at only three guys, really, for the first three picks because you know you're going to be drafting there. So you only have to scout a few of them. Sure, there could be trade-backs, so you want to know them all. But realistically, you're looking at, you know, we're going to get one of these three guys. Then you don't have a second-round pick. You wait all the way till the third round. They only have six total picks in this draft. So when it comes down to it, the New York Jets have a round one, pick number three. Round three, pick 68. Round three, pick 93. Round four, pick 105. Round six, pick 196. And round seven, pick 217. So they've got six total picks, one in the first, two in the third, a fourth rounder, no fifth rounder, a sixth and a seventh. So you're really looking at that, you know, if you're starting with that first pick, who are the three guys you're looking at? For a lot of people, it's Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Quinn and Williams. All defensive line, all guys that can get at the quarterback. Now my order for that right now, subject to change, but right now, my top guy, Quinn and Williams. I think that he is the most sure, sound, ready to start day one. Not a guaranteed pro bowler, but I'd put him close. That guy can play defensive tackle and He's going to do a very, very good job. The Jets have a need there, and I think he would be absolutely awesome. He's that surefire thing in this draft, in my opinion. Now, a lot of people like, you know, Josh Allen or Nick Bosa because, well, positional value, you're seeing that outside guy and edge guy is a little bit more important to your team than the defensive tackle, but I'll take Quinn Williams because I trust him so much more at playing that position, just, you know, doing a great job and being impactful for the Jets right away. So he's my number one. When it comes to number two, Deciding between Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. Both edge guys to play a little different. I got to go with Josh Allen. I think that the guy is a freak. I think that uh, he's extremely athletic. He's fast. He's tall. He's a really good guy. And I like him a lot. Now, my hesitancies towards him are if you watch his tape, a lot of his success in pass rush, he's not getting touched. He's going outside of the tackle, moving quick. And, you know, what does that say? He's got a quick jump and he's getting outside. But if a guy gets his hands on him, I'd like to see him engaging a little bit more doing some more you know, moves and technique to try to get into the backfield rather than just going quick on the outside because that offensive line protection in the NFL is going to be at that next level. Still, Josh Allen had 17 sacks plus with Kentucky, a very good defensive end outside linebacker, and uh, great leader, great kid. I think that he is the better pick than Nick Bosa. And the reason that I'm not big on Nick Bosa is, one, I think that he's got a lot of hype around him that has been here for a very long time. It was there before he was playing this season. You know, Joey Bosa gave him extra hype. And then he had good production in college, but not crazy numbers if you look at it. The guy didn't play this year. I mean, he was injured very early on and didn't play again, decided he wanted to get ready for the draft. He had ACL issues in high school. He's an injury guy. Why didn't he play last year? He had some injury concerns there. And if a guy doesn't play for a year, do you assume that every single player that plays every year just gets better the next year, no matter what, there's a lot of guys that take a step back, you know, have a great junior year, ah, took a step back in his senior year. That happens all the time going into the draft. How do we not assume that Nick Bosa would have had one of those seasons? We can't just assume ascension by not playing. The only way to get better at your craft is by practicing it and honing it. 
and he didn't do that. Now, he's too young and not good enough yet to stop giving up on trying to learn the thing. I just can't guarantee that he's at a better place today than he was going into last year, and I think Josh Allen improved his draft stock. So, for those reasons, my top three goes Quinn and, Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa. Now, I do love the tradeback scenario like everybody else. I'd love to go after a center, cornerback in the first round, wide receivers, offensive line. There's tons of things the Jets could go after, right? They have a bunch of needs, but if you don't have that trade partner, you got to look at those three guys and decide, you know, who you're going after. Because in reality, unless you're looking at Ed Oliver or somebody else, the Jets are probably taking one of those three. Now for some third-round guys, you know, my dad mentioned it in father time. Uh, Julian Love, Notre Dame cornerback, is a guy that I really like. I know he doesn't have the speed. Dad kind of put me on blast there in that email, but uh, I like Julian Love. I think that he's got he's he's in control at cornerback, right? He always knows where his guy is. He's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic, but he plays a strong game at corner. He can contain players. He can stop them. Pass breakups at all different types of routes. You're talking curls, slants, deep fades. He has success with all of it. He's not a burner. He ran like a four-five-four in the forty, which is a little bit slow for what you're looking for. But I like him, and I think he's polished. He's probably not going to be the number one cornerback on the team, but I trust him playing a top three cornerback for the Jets this year. Another guy I'd look at, Georgia wide receiver, Riley Ridley, brother of Calvin Ridley. Really good, similar to Calvin Ridley type player that could be available in the third round. And if you're looking for a wide receiver for this Jets team that currently is running with you know Crowder, Anunua, and Anderson, I mean, you're an injury away from having a, t- a tough, <laughs> tough go there for Sam Darnold. You got to bring in a little bit more wide receiver help. Riley Ridley from George is a guy that I'd look at. Nikhil Harry, another guy that could be available in that area. He may go a little bit earlier, but uh, guys to be looking at. If the Jets want to bring in another running back to replace Trenton Cannon, who absolutely can be replaced, you're going to have three running backs in this roster, and D'Angelo Henderson probably won't be there. Trenton Cannon could be replaced. Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky, a running back that I really like. And uh, we'll see if he's available there, if the Jets want to make that move. Now, center is probably center and corner are the two biggest needs. My dad was absolutely right in father time that we got to go for those two. And if you can get the best center in the draft, Garrett Bradbury, or the second best in Eric McCoy, you got to try to do it. I mean, that would be great right away. Day one starter replace Jonathan Harrison. And if not, you know, the big positions of need for the New York Jets right now are edge, which could easily be addressed in that first pick, defensive tackle, which also could be addressed in that first pick, then cornerback and center. Some other needs that we have out there, it's wide receiver, potentially defensive end, guard, running back could be. So Jets are going to be looking to, you know, upgrade these guys, but McCagnan has a bad draft history, and we've only got six picks this year. We can't be drafting a 24-year-old Dylan Donahue, a 24-year-old Nathan Shepard, a guy that's not going to pan out just like that and be off the team. Our first-round pick has got to be amazing, a star right away, and our two third-round picks are extremely important as well, including that fourth-round pick. That third-round, third-round, fourth-round pick, that gap right there, you need t- two starters. you got to find two starters there. I mean, that's not too much to ask from Mike McCagan in this draft, honestly, and he's due for a good draft, for all being honest. He just can't keep going for that diamond-in-the-rough player. Ooh, I found some you know, hipster guy that nobody else is going for. Look at this under-the-radar player from Fort Hayes who's never played against real competition and hardly has played any football but has a great backstory and is 25 years old. Like, no, none of that. How about the guy that played for UCLA, Miami the U, has a proven track record of going up against the best competition, being coached by the best coaches, and is a solid player at his level. 
I mean, those are the guys that are going to pan out more likely than not, rather than some crazy flyer in the third round that probably would have been available if you waited until free, till free agency in reality. Anyways, don't get me started on that, but uh, it's a very important draft for the New York Jets. They're, they're taking the right steps. They took it in free agency. All right, they got their quarterback. They brought some weapons in for them. They do have to shore up that offensive line and that defensive line. They have some holes, but they're definitely moving this thing in the right direction. Last thing we got to do is close out this draft, bring in three more starters, first round pick, maybe a couple of thirds, maybe that fourth. Who knows, if you can find more than that, power to them. The Jets could be amazing. That would be awesome. Mike McCagnon needs it. So that's what we got going on. The draft is coming up April 25th. That's Thursday. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a podcast before that or not. I'm definitely going to be active on Twitter. Uh, If you're following me there, it's at Jets underscore Dan. And you can always ask me questions, engage with me there. Tell me what you like, didn't like. You know, give me some feedback on the father time section. What do we think about that? Do we want to hear more thoughts from Dave? Whatever he's got going on in that crazy noggin of his. New York Jets all the way. Um, That guy, uh, yeah, it's good to have him involved because I'll tell you, that's where I learned it all from. That's where I spend all of my football Sundays. And he's going to be there when the Jets win the Super Bowl in that 2021-2022 season. And, uh, yeah, so... Thank you for listening. This is the Jet Life, a Gang Green Nation podcast. You can find it on iTunes under Gang Green Nation Podcast. The episodes are titled This is the Jet Life, something about the episode. Um, feel free to like it, rate it, review it, subscribe. Any of that stuff always helps me out. Listen to my uh, partner on here, Michael Nania. He's got good stuff. Follow him on Twitter as well. And, yeah, that's it. If I don't see you guys before uh, the NFL draft, I hope it's a good one. I'll be on here shortly after, if not before. And, uh Yeah, free agency's been great. A lot of fun stuff. If you're not excited about this New York Jets team with these new uniforms, these new players, these draft picks we got coming up, then you're not paying attention because this thing is turning around quickly. We've got fun players to get behind, and it's going to get good fast. So let's go New York Jets. The time is ours. Take flight. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 